Hey, this is Mitch Rose. I'm the lead pastor of City Hills Church, and this is our podcast. Thanks for tuning in today. I hope this message encourages you, it inspires you, it challenges you to live your best life. Take a listen. Here's this week's message. Excited to have you today. Last week, I always want to tell you uh, about our Easter survey before I get into week two of All Eyes on Jesus. We're in this series called All Eyes on Jesus. But before I get there, I always like to tell you about... um, how God has used you. If you're on the dream team, if you're a kingdom builder, if you're faithful, if this is your house, if God's moved in your life, you're responsible. I want you to know if you served last week, about 170 of you served on the dream team last week alone. Just an amazing day. Three services that we ran out of, we literally ran out of chairs. Like the ushers were like, we're going to open the doors and put people in the lobby kind of out of chairs, uh, which is my kind of revival, everybody. If you know what I mean, I just, I love that. Thank you for bringing your friends and family and we shattered attendance records and all that. All that's great. Our team celebrated, and I, and, and, and I love that. But the biggest thing I want to celebrate with you is this. Listen, in one Sunday, one Sunday, three services, the most people we've ever have give their hearts to Jesus. Last Sunday, because of you, 59 people said yes to Jesus. Come on, everybody. Come on, do better than that. Give Jesus praise today. Oh, yeah. So good. So, so, so good, and if you served, if you give, if you, this is home to you, you are responsible, you are directly responsible for people saying yes to Jesus. You say, well, I just opened doors, Pastor. You opened the door for somebody who got saved last week. I just keep kids in kids' ministry. You, you held the baby of somebody who got saved last week. You're making an eternal difference. I just love you for it. I'm so thankful. Maybe you're one of those 59 back today. Glad to have you back at City Hills today. And today is Baptism Sunday. I'm excited about baptizing believers today, this afternoon. Uh, We've already, yeah, good. I want you to get baptized. We've already, we baptized four in the first service. I'm super excited about that. Now listen, let me just set your expectation. Look at me in the eyes. Some of you came ready to be baptized. I can't wait to celebrate with you. But some of you did not come thinking today was your day. But it is. Today's your day to say yes to Jesus. And I'm going to teach it to you in just a moment, but... I want to help you today take a next step towards God. You know, faith is not a destination. It's a journey. You're constantly moving towards God. There is no finish line until we get to heaven, everybody. There is no, well, I've already done and I'm good and we're good. No, no, no. I'm I'm continuing my next steps towards God. And today, it could be that God, I've asked the Holy Spirit to tap you on the shoulder and say, it's you. I want to change your life today. So just be open to that. We are in week two of this series called All Eyes on Jesus. Our theme verse, if you have your Bibles, Hebrews 12. The Bible says it like this. Let's run with perseverance or patience, one translation says. The race that's marked out for us, verse 2. Fixing our eyes on, everybody shout Jesus. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. That's what I want you to do. I want you to turn your eyes to Jesus. Matter of fact, we're living our lives this way. I want you to not just make it a Sunday thing. I want your whole life to be on Jesus. I want the way you live your life. I, I, I want I want not just on I want you to wake up. I want you to live your Monday through Saturday with your eyes fixed on Jesus. One of the ways we're doing that is we're reading through the book of John together. I'm not just preaching out of the book of John. I am again today. I did last week. Uh, but we're reading it together. Last week we read chapters 1 through 7. This week I'd love to have you along. Let me challenge you. Read chapter 8 through 14. Now listen, some of you say, well, I'm just not good at reading. Pastor, do, do the audio Bible. I do the audio. <laughs> I had it on this morning. Uh, you do do, you, do your, the version audio. Why are y'all texting me in church? Anyway, 
there's an audio version on you version. And listen, they read to you with a British accent. Come on, that's more anointed, everybody. It is. Read it in King James. It's like Shakespeare's reading to you. It's just, it's anyway, chapters uh, 8 through 14. Read a chapter a day. Listen, we'll get through all 21 chapters by the end of, uh, by the end of April. Uh, and I'm excited about that. And we're also watching The Chosen together. If you've never watched it, I'd love for you to download that app. It's a free app. You can get it on any device and watch The Chosen. Start at the beginning. Watch it all the way through with us. So let me jump in. Last week we looked at uh, John 4. On Easter Sunday I preached about the woman at the well that Jesus meets at the well. We're going to back up one chapter, and I'm in John 3 today. And this may be the most famous passage, even if you're not familiar with the Bible, if you may be new to faith or new to Christianity or new to the Bible, but you've probably heard someone quote John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Whoever believes in Him shouldn't perish but have eternal life. Probably the most famous passage in all the Bible. But listen... That, that verse, even though we, we quote it as this single verse, it's actually a conversation that Jesus is having with a man named Nicodemus. I'm going to show you a clip today uh, of the interaction between Nicodemus. It's actually the, the, the dialogue you'll see on the screen is taken right from John, the third chapter, where Nicodemus and Jesus are, uh, are, are meeting. Let me give you a little backstory. Nicodemus is a Pharisee. Uh, he's part of the Sanhedrin ruling Council. It's like if you grew up in a Baptist church, he's on the committee. Come on, everybody. He's on that, that committee that runs the whole situation. And uh, that's what the Sanhedrin is. And he's a Pharisee. There were Pharisees and Sadducees in school. I learned the difference. Are the Pharisees believed in the resurrection of the dead? The Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection of the dead. So they were sad. Use. It gets better. Stick around. So anyway, he's a Pharisee. He does believe in the resurrection. And he has seen Jesus perform miracles. As a matter of fact, Nicodemus is at the miracle where Jesus casts the demons out of Mary Magdalene. They actually called Nicodemus in early to try to pray for her and, 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 it, and it could work. And so he's there and he sees Jesus cast the devils out of Mary Magdalene. And, and he, he wants in all of his heart to believe, but he's holding on. John records the name Nicodemus three times, three different chapters. The first time is the one we're going to read in John 3. You'll see this on the screen. Again, a few chapters later in John 7, uh, Nicodemus speaks up for Jesus at the Sanhedrin uh, council. But it's all the way at the end of the book in John 19 that we end the story of Nicodemus. And, and most people don't know this, but Joseph of Arimathea, they bring Jesus down. You know, they put him in Joseph's tomb, but Nicodemus is there with Joseph. John 19 tells us Nicodemus is there with Joseph and he physically carries the body of Jesus from the cross and buries it in the tomb. So Nicodemus eventually becomes a believer. We, we kind of recognize by June, I mean by, by chapter 19, by John 19, we kind of realize that Jesus is following. He's, he's willingly defiling Judaism to touch this dead body. But listen, it's a struggle on the way there. Let me encourage you today. Sometimes it's not as easy as open and shut. Sometimes there's some heart issues you need to work out. And this clip shows you that John, the third chapter, Nicodemus comes to meet Jesus at night. He's scared to meet him in the day. So if you're taking notes at the top of your uh, page today, the title of this message is Nick at Night. You're welcome. <laughs> Take a look at the screen. <laughs> I don't know where to start. I have so many questions. Right, shall we sit first? 
slums. Hmm. Many wandering preachers have succeeded in gathering crowds with their rhetoric and fiery tone. I've heard a few of them over the years myself. So you know the type. Mm -hmm. But I have never heard anyone tell a paralytic to get up and walk, much less it actually happened. So what is your conclusion? I believe you are not acting alone. No one can do these signs you do without having God in him. Only someone who has come from God. And how is that belief going over in the synagogue? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why we are here at this hour. What else? What have you come here to show us? A kingdom. That is what our rulers are worried about. No, not that kind. Then what? A sort of kingdom that a person cannot see unless he is born again. Born again? Yes. You mean like a new creature? A conversion from Gentile to Jewish? No, no, that's not what I'm talking about. Then what is born again? <sighs> I hope you don't mean return to the womb, because that would be a problem for me. My mother, may she rest in peace, is dead. Truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. That part of you, that, is what must be reborn to new life. How can these things be? Ah, a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things. Huh? I'm trying, Rabbi. I know. I know. Do you hear this? What? Listen. What do you hear? The wind. How do you know it's the wind? Because I can feel it. I hear its sound. Do you know where it comes from? No. Do you know where it's going? No. That's what it is to be born again of the Spirit. The Spirit may work in a way that is a mystery to you. And while you cannot see the spirit, you can recognize his effect. Mind is consumed with thoughts of what a stir these words would cause among the teachers of the law. Yes, and I do not expect otherwise. I speak of what I know and have seen, and it has not been received by the religious leaders. It is hard to receive. So if I have told you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How can I tell you heavenly things? I believe your words. I just fear you may not have a chance to speak many more of them before you are silenced. I have come to do more than speak words, Nicodemus. More miracles? Yes. 
but even more than that. Do you remember when the children of Israel complained against God and against Moses in the wilderness of Paran? Yes. They wanted to return to Egypt and they cursed the manna that God sent them. And then? They were bitten by serpents and they were dying. But? But God made a way for them to be healed. Moses lifted the bronze serpent in the desert and people only needed to look at it. So will the Son of Man be lifted up so that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Our people are not dying from snake bites. They're dying from taxation and oppression. I'm sorry to disappoint you. But I did not come to deliver the people from Rome. Then from what? From sin. From spiritual death. God loves the world in this way. That he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So this has nothing to do with Rome. It's all about sin. God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, Nicodemus. He sent him to save it through him. It's as simple as Moses' serpent on the pole. Whoever believes in him will not be condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already. Have you ever heard anything like this before? When I met Lilith, Mary, that day, I told my wife and my students I said she was beyond human aid. Only God could have healed her. And then I saw her healed. Here you are. The healer. I, my whole life, I have wondered if I would see this day. Follow me, and you'll see more. Follow you. Join me and my students. In two days' time, we leave Capernaum. Come see the kingdom I am bringing into this world. But I... I, I can't. You have a position in the Sanhedrin. You have family. You are getting advanced in years. <laughs> I understand. But the invitation is still open. The invitation to what exactly? lead a nomadic life to, to give up who I am. It's true. There is a lot you would give up. But what you would gain is far greater and more lasting. Is this another one of your born-again mysteries? <laughs> uh, maybe. I know mysteries aren't easy for a scholar. Think about it. Hmm? Take your time. On the morning of the fifth day, we leave and we'll meet by the well in the southern quarter.
this story. I love John the third chapter because it talks about, it gives you the glimpse of somebody who struggles to follow. If you sit down with Nicodemus today, I think he would tell you this. If you're taking notes, write this in your notes, number one. If you sit down with Nicodemus and said, what it's like to meet Jesus, tell me about what it's like to have eyes on Jesus. He would say this, following Jesus, write this down, will cost you everything. Following Jesus will cost you everything. Everything. For Nicodemus, following Jesus comes at this high cost. He has position. He has status. He has influence. He has money. He's got a family. He's worked hard to achieve a ton of success. He's well respected. People look to him and he's thinking to himself, I want to do this. I want to follow you. I want my life to be in your hands. But it's hard. And it's going to cost me everything. Jesus invites Nicodemus into the same thing I think he's inviting you and I into, which is this. I don't just want you to know about God. I want you to follow God with all of your heart. We say it like this, that I want you to know God. Not know about Him, but know God. That you have a vibrant, life-giving, spirit-empowered relationship with God. That it's more than just in your head, but it moves to your heart. Nicodemus knows in his head. You're the Christ. You're, you're, you're Lord. You're God. Come to us, but I don't know what my heart's in. Maybe you're in church today feeling the same way. Like you know in your head that Jesus needs my whole life. He deserves my whole life. That Jesus deserves all of me, and yet I hold back some of me. Nicodemus holds back. I, I know you can work miracles, but I don't know that... You get my whole life. And I understand where Nicodemus is coming from because Nicodemus is comfortable. And i got to be honest with you, we all like comfort. Can I get a better amen? I'm in, I, I, I don't want to call it my midlife because I'm hoping for a little bit longer than double where I'm at right now, everybody. But for the sake of the illustration, let's call it midlife. You get, let me just say it this way. You get to a point in your life where you choose comfort over a lot of other things. At some point in your life, you'll realize you like wearing shoes because they feel good, not because anybody likes your shoes. Can I get a better amen from somebody 40 and above? 
brother will wear hokas all day, every day long. Somebody saw my hokas. I have multiple pairs. Somebody saw my hokas one time. They said, Pastor, do you run? I said, no. These babies are like walking on angels, just baby little angels, like walking on clouds. I'm going to wear them every day because I'm choosing comfort over anything else. Can I get a good amen? Like you just get to a point, you don't care. I don't care what nobody thinks. I'm comfortable right now. This happened when I was growing up. I'm a kid of the 80s and 90s. We used to go to the mall. Anybody remember the mall? I'm not talking about Lock and Terror. That's not a mall. That's outdoors. I'm talking about the real mall. Let me, hey, I'm talking about Auntie Annie's Pretzels Great American Cookie Company Mall. There was a store called the Sharper Image. Y'all don't even know nothing about this. This was the golden age in American history. And I'd go to the mall on Friday nights because I grew up in a really religious home. We couldn't do anything else, so we'd go to the mall. And we'd walk around at the mall, and I'd go to the sharper image. And right at the front of the sharper image, they would put the massage chairs. Brother, watch out. When you get in a massage chair, it was at the front of the store, and you don't care. You lose all dignity. You get up in there and strap in and be like... All your boys are like, people are what? I don't care. You just lose all, you don't care. You don't care who sees you. You don't care who's passing by. You don't care if you're embarrassing your family. I'm in the massage chair right now. I love this. Can I get a better amen? I like comfort. I, when I go to Planet Fitness, I go to a great Planet Fitness. I have the black card, not because I want to take guests to the Planet Fitness, but because brother wants to sit in the massage chairs at Planet Fitness. And I don't care if y'all come in there and work out gear. I'm in my hokas, not because I'm on the treadmill, because they're comfortable, and I'm in the massage chair. And I like it comfortable. The truth of the matter is, most of my life I'm avoiding Leaving my comfort zone. I build my life so that I can be comfortable. I like this. I like the boundaries I'm in. I like the job I got. I like this thing because it keeps me comfortable. The truth of the matter is a lot of people sacrifice your calling for the sake of your comfort. Here's why. Write this in your notes. Because comfort and callings don't go hand in hand. Jesus did not say, take up your couch and follow me. Jesus said, take up your cross. That good, all the religious people sit over here. Take up your cross and follow me. Not your couch. It's not your massage chair. And most people struggle. And Nicodemus is struggling following Jesus because it's comfortable here. I like it here. I don't know about there. I know God's calling me to more but it means I got to sacrifice more, give more, show up more, let go of more. And I don't know that I want that in my life. If Nicodemus was here. He'd tell you following Jesus costs you everything. That at some point in your life, you're going to have to realize my calling and my comfort don't go hand in hand. What God's calling me to do, where God's calling, and it could be different for everybody. Maybe He's calling you to make a, a life change. Maybe He's calling you to, to live with greater passion. Maybe He's calling you to change 
your perspective. Maybe he's calling you to go to marriage counseling. Maybe he's calling you to go back to college. Maybe he's calling you to go on a missions trip. Maybe he's calling you to take a class at work so you get promoted. Maybe he's calling you to lead the team and not just be on the team. Maybe he's calling you to open your own business. Maybe he's calling you to start tithing and putting God first in your finances. Maybe he's calling you to join a small group or lead a small group or get on the dream team. Here's what I know. You can't get to your calling if you stay comfortable. Almost never do the callings of God and the comfort of my life go hand in hand. It's amazing to me the number of people who say, man, I just like this. Yeah, I want that, but I kind of like this. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd like to hold on to this and to that. Is that possible? I don't think it's possible. That's why the Apostle Paul said in Philippians 3.14, he said, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the high, everybody shout that next word, the high calling. How do you get to calling? You press on. Here's the problem. Listen to me. Look at me. You can't press on to calling leaning back. And most people, not y'all, but people at 930, a lot of Christians I know lean back in their relationship. with. I'm not talking about rock with me. I'm not talking about that. Y'all, some of y'all know what I'm talking about. I'm, some of you lean back. I'm just going to lean back. And I'm just going to listen. I want, <laughs> some of y'all just got that. Don't go Google that. Do not. I'm just going to lean back. I hear you, Pastor, but I don't. I ain't going to men's conference. I don't care if you beg. I ain't getting in a small group. I've been coming here a year. I ain't doing it. I'm not going to tithe. That's where I draw the line. I'm, not, I'm just not going to serve. I don't, I don't come for that. I, I got to be here a service early. You want me to come to the other service and serve and then worship one? I'm not going to do it. And you lean back. Here's the, here's the thing. You can do this. This is, this is a legitimate Christian posture. You, you can lean back in comfort, but you can't press on towards calling. And God's calling us further and he could be calling your life to more and calling you to be a, a, a follower you're ca- calling you to leave right, write it down like this if you want to walk into your future write this down you have to walk away from your present if you want to walk into your future you're going to have to let go of some stuff you're currently holding on to but I like this I know but this is comfortable I know but I know this I know but I, but I worked hard to get here I understand But calling is demanding. I may have to let go of where I currently am. I may have to let go of my presence so that I can walk into my future. What are you talking about? You may have to let go of ungodly relationships. You may have to let go of ungodly friendships. Come on, everybody. There's some friends you just don't need. There's some people in your life who are taking you down. You need a friendectomy. You know what that is? That's where you just cut them out. You're out. You're out. I can't, I don't need this anymore in my life. You got you to leave behind addictions, leave behind bad habits, leave behind apathy, leave behind laziness, leave behind stinginess, leave behind a critical spirit. You're going to have to decide, I'm most comfortable here, but God is calling me there. And my comfort and my calling don't go hand in hand. And following Jesus, Nicodemus, means... You've got to leave some stuff behind. Some of us like to play the odds, you know. We, we, it sounds good, but we like to keep our old life handy. You know what I'm trying to say? 
You ever, you ever met somebody who pulls back into that, like, I'm Christian, but I used to not be. You know what I mean? Usually it comes out in a fight. You know, I'm like, I look, I, you, I take my earrings out like this. Right I'm, tell you. I'm saved, but I used to not be saved. I'm holy, but I'm hood. Come on, somebody. I, you, know where, you know where? I'm in the kingdom, but I'm from the south side of the kingdom. Do not try me. <laughs> I, I like to hold on to my past just a little bit. I like to hold on to that temper. I like to hold on to that addiction. God, you can have all of this, but not that. We do this in relationships. You know, you get in a new relationship and you don't tell everybody at first. On Facebook, you're still single because <laughs> you're still playing the odds just in case, brother, don't work out. You don't want to fully commit. I don't want to, man, I just, I want to keep my odds open. You know what I mean? I count none of y'all, but at 930, that's prevalent. I, I, a lot of 20-year-olds that just won't commit. And I'm thinking, why? What? 30, 31, 32, 33, 34, 35, 47 years old, still not committing. It's because you are scared to say yes to this one, just worried the next one was going to be the right one. I just want to hold on instead of trusting God. I want to hold on to a little bit. God, I'm going to give you access to everything except this. God, I'm going to give you. Some of you treat your relationship with God like you treat dating relationships. And listen, you are dating your destiny. You're dating your destiny thinking, okay, God, I know I'm called to do that, but I don't know. I don't want to fully commit yet. Let's just see if this works out. I'll try church. I don't know about that. I'll try small groups, but I don't really know. I'll try following Jesus, but I don't know. I'll try tithing, but I don't know. I'll try serving others, but I don't know. And you're dating your destiny. Listen to me. Stop dating your destiny and go all in with Jesus Christ. It will cost you everything. But God has calling on your life. God has calling on your life. The word of the day is surrender. Write it in your notes. The word of the day is surrender. It's a matter of surrender. It's a matter of surrender. God, I'll surrender some. I'll give you a little bit. God, I'll give you my marriage, but stay out of my money. God, I'll give you my money, but stay out of my marriage. God, I'll give you my, my marriage... And my money, but don't come at me about my addictions. It's between me and God. I, he, he knows what I got going. God, I'll give you my addiction, but I'm not going to give you my marriage. God, I'll give you my marriage, my addiction, but I don't, want to, don't talk nothing to me about my dreams and my hopes. These are for me. I want to do what I want to do. God, I'm going to give you my career, but I'm not going to give you my dating relationship. Are you with me, everybody? We, just, we pick and choose. I'll surrender some. I'll give a little bit, but God, you don't have access to all of me. I can handle this. You handle that. I'll take care of this. You take care of that. Here's the problem. Write this big in your notes. What you won't surrender becomes your responsibility to maintain. What you, I will. What you won't surrender. I don't need permission, but I like it. What you won't surrender becomes your responsibility to maintain. What you hold on to, God says, fine. You want to hold on to that? Work it out yourself. Fine. You want to hold on to this deep, dark secret? Fine. Hold on to it. You want to hold on to depression and anxiety? Not give it to God? Fine. Hold on to it. You want to hold on to your dating relationships? Fine. Hold on to them. God's not going to pry it out of your heart. But whatever it is you won't surrender is your responsibility to maintain. 
I've been married 23 years in June. We got married when we were 12. Not true. I'm from Arkansas, but that's not true. That's not true. 23 years, brothers learned some stuff. Are y'all with me? Married to the wife of my youth. Come on, I like to call her my first wife. My, my, the wife of, I'm kidding. The wife of my youth. Here's what I've learned in 23 years. I can be responsible and maintain a healthy marriage, or I can surrender it to God, and life gets a whole lot better in my house. I can, I've, we got an 11-year-old and an 8-year-old. You can hold on to parenting. Do it your way. Read all the books. Find all the blogs. Follow all the mommy Instagrams. Or you can give it to God. You can say, okay, God, I, I'm, I, I, don't, I, can't, I need help. You can hold on to who you date, your relationships. That's, that's between me and that. I don't want, but you got to maintain. You can hold on to that private addiction, but you're going to have to maintain it. Because whatever you want to surrender to God, your responsibility to maintain and upkeep and fix and work. And I don't need that. You can't have peace without surrender. You got to give God everything, my relationships, my hopes, my dreams. You got to ask for God's input, not just God's approval. Most people go to God with a plan already. We just want God to rubber stamp my plan. Hey, God, I don't, I'm not sure. Hey, I've been thinking, I'm going to go do this. You okay with this? People come to me, not y'all, but people in the other service, they come to me and they say, Pastor, hey, hey, can I get your advice on something? Sure. Hey, I've, uh, I've been accepted in this college over here. I, what do you think about that? Wait, you've been accepted? Yeah, I've been accepted. I've already got my roommate. I already got, already, and I start next week. But I just thought, what do you think? Well, you don't need my input. I'm just saying, you're not looking for input. You're looking for approval. Are you with me, everybody? Sometimes we go to God after we messed up and we go, God, <laughs> you okay with this? God, uh, I've already bought a dress. We've already got a venue. We've already got a date. I just want to make sure you're okay with it. God's like, well, it would have been easier on you if you'd have asked for input instead of approval. Are you with me, everybody? God is looking for total surrender. Listen to me. I didn't write it on the screen, but write it in your notes. Surrender is your greatest weapon. I'll prove it to you in God's Word. James 4 and 7 says, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. That's surrender. Then resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Now, most people like resist the devil and he'll flee from you. But resisting the devil and his willingness to flee is directly connected to your willingness to submit to God. If you don't surrender it to God, God says, I'm not going to fight what you won't surrender. But if you'll surrender, you can resist the devil and he'll flee from every area of your life. Listen, following Jesus will cost you everything. It's about... Surrender. Here's the next thing. If you sit down with Nicodemus today, I think he'd tell you, following Jesus costs me everything. And number two, you've got to fully obey, even when you don't fully understand. Nicodemus and Jesus have this discussion about being born again. Nicodemus says, I, I don't know how I, this doesn't make sense. How do you want me to enter my mother's womb a second time? My mom's dead. This doesn't, I don't, I don't know. And Jesus says, you saw John 3. Jesus says, it's like the wind, Nicodemus. You can feel it. You can hear it. But you don't know where it's coming from and you don't know where it's going. 
You don't deny the wind because you can't fully explain it. Listen, I can't fully explain gravity to you. If you said, Pastor, sit down and write gravity as a mathematical equation, I can't. But brother, don't jump out of airplanes because I believe in gravity. <laughs> why, why do you believe in it? You can't explain it. I don't have to explain it to believe it. There's some stuff in your life that God is asking for full obedience even when you don't have full understanding. That God wants your whole heart. Nicodemus, I want you to follow me. I don't know what that means. I don't know what being born again means, but, but, but I, I want what you're saying. I, I, I want to be born again. I, I want that in my life. I just don't know what to do with this. And some of us are sitting, listen, you're sitting on disobedience because you're waiting for full understanding. Write it down like this. Delayed obedience is disobedience. Partial obedience is disobedience. Some of you would say, I obey God. I'm following God. I'm following everything God told me to do. But you're holding back and partial obedience is disobedience. You don't have to fully understand to fully surrender. You don't have to fully understand to fully surrender. Maybe you're in church today thinking, I don't understand what it means to be born again. I don't understand what it means for my life to be trans. I don't know what this calling fully means for me. I felt God calling me. I felt a tug on my heart. I felt God leading me in this direction. I feel like God's calling me to get more faithful to church. I feel like God's calling me to tithe. I feel like God's calling me to open a business. I feel like God's calling me to lead a small group, but I don't know what to do. And so you sit in delayed obedience which is disobedience. You sit saying when, when it's better, when the, when the opportunity is better, when things get better, when, when, the, when, when, it, when it comes to, if I can just get all my life together, then I'll do it. And Jesus tells Nicodemus, I'm leaving in two days. I'd love to have you. The musicians are coming, but it's amazing to me the number of things Jesus asks of you that you don't fully understand. You want me to love my enemies? <laughs> you don't know what they did to me. You don't know how bad this was. You don't know how terrible this situation is. You, you don't know how they hurt me. You don't know what they did in my life. I can't love my enemies. It just, I, I, I just can't. You don't know. You want me to be a servant. As a matter of fact, the Bible says it like this. It's the greatest among you will be your servant. You want me to be a servant. I don't even understand that. You tell me the greatest in the kingdom is the one that serves? That doesn't make any sense doesn't have to make sense to obey. You're telling me you want to forgive 70 times 7. That's what you want from me? You're telling me you expect me to forgive people who've hurt me, let me down, disappointed me? You're telling me that there's, there's something in my life that I'm supposed to give to God and I don't, I don't even know how to do that. I don't know how to surrender completely. I, I don't even know what you're asking for completely. I would tell you today in closing that you don't have to fully understand to fully obey. That Jesus is calling you closer. I'll even echo what he tells Nicodemus. He's calling you to be born again. He's calling you to be born again. Some of you are saying, I don't, I don't, I don't know, like Nicodemus, I don't know what that means fully. I don't know how to be born again. I'm not exactly sure what I'm supposed to do with that. I want to help you with that. As a matter of fact, in the next couple of moments, I want to help you 
And I've asked the Lord to talk to some of you that need that kind of experience. You feel God calling you to more. You feel God reaching for you and reaching into your heart. and You know He's calling you higher. You just don't know to what. Maybe, just maybe. It's like the wind. You feel it right now. Maybe you just kind of feel God tapping you on the shoulder and a tug at your heart. You didn't come today thinking, man, I'm good. I'm okay. I've seen Jesus do great stuff. I know about Him. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. I know all this. But God's calling you higher. Calling you to more. Maybe He's even calling you to baptism today. You didn't come ready. You didn't come prepared. You didn't think it was going to be you. There's other people who signed up. We're going to baptize people in this service. We always do. But there's others of you that didn't come thinking it was for you. But listen to me. It's for you. Pastor, I don't fully understand. I don't even understand why, why water. Why, I, don't, I don't get it. You don't have to understand completely to obey fully. Matter of fact, I'll give you three reasons why you need to get baptized today. You need to be born again today. Jesus tells Nicodemus, you've got to be born again in John 3 and 5. He says, be born again of the water and the spirit. Nicodemus says, that doesn't make any sense. Why do I need that? I'll tell you why. Three reasons why. When you get born again, when you get water baptized, when you give your whole life to Jesus, you get a brand new life. That's the first reason why you ought to do it today, after this service, right now. It's because you get a new life. Romans 6 and 4 says it like this, that we're buried with Him in baptism into death. In order that, just as God raised Christ from the dead, you and I can be raised to walk in, here it is, new life. Look at me. And some of you need a new life. The life you're currently living isn't working for you anymore. It's jumbled up with stuff and there's distractions and there's heartache and there's stuff that you've accumulated over time into your heart and life isn't working for you anymore. Maybe it did when you were younger. Maybe it did when you were in school. Maybe it did when you were in college. But right now life's not working and if you need anything in this world, you need a second chance. It's almost like you need to be born again. And today, when we celebrate in water baptism, the Bible says, Romans says, you get a brand new life. I'll give you the second reason why you need to do it today, after the service, right now. It's because the Bible says you get a brand new identity. Galatians 3.27 says it like this, For all of us that were baptized into Christ have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. I love this passage. Like putting on new clothes. You remember your first day of school? You remember the new outfit you got to wear to your first day of school? I told you as a kid of the 80s and 90s. I remember when I got my new shoes. I got those shoes with the pump-ups. You remember this? I walked into Concord High School like this right here. Because I had them new shoes on. Everybody see them shoes? Everybody see those? Y'all see those? Oh, y'all knew me as an 8th grader. I didn't have these pump-ups. Look at them joints now. Ninth grade, it's something different now. I got a new identity. I love how Galatians says when you put on Christ in baptism, it's like putting on new clothes. Listen, because you get a new identity. Because some of you have only been known for who you used to be. Oh, oh, them? Oh, they're the ones that messed up. 
Oh, her? Oh, yeah, she's got issues. Oh, him? Oh, that's the cheater. That's a liar. Oh, I know him. Oh, oh, they, oh that couple? Oh, yeah. They never. I know what they've been into. You've been identified by your past and your sin. And Jesus says when you get water baptized. Galatians 3.27 says you put on new clothes like putting, you put on Christ like putting on new clothes. You get a brand new identity. The world sees you. But listen, not just the world sees you differently. Look into my eyes. God the Father sees you differently. When God looks at you after you've been born again, He doesn't see who you were. He sees the righteousness of Christ that you wear like new clothes. And some of you need a new identity. Stand up, don't leave. Everybody standing all over the house. Give me 60 more seconds. I'll let you go. Stay real still and look at me in the eyes. Let me give you the third reason why you need to get baptized right now after this service. Look at me. Because you got no excuse. You know you need a new life. You know you need a new identity. And we took away every excuse. I didn't bring clothes. That's fine. We got clothes for you. Shirts. Shorts. Flip-flops. Shower caps if you just got your hair did. Deodorant. I don't know why we have deodorant, but we have it. Everything. Everything. Q-tips. <laughs> water out of your ear. Everything. I, my family's not here. They, 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 they would want to see it. That's okay. We have professional photographers. They'll take the, they're waiting on you. I, 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 we'll, we'll mail you all the pictures. This week, we'll mail you all the pictures you do. I didn't come prepared. You don't have to come. Listen, we took away every excuse. I just wish somebody was here to celebrate. There are a couple of hundred people will be here to celebrate with you. Listen, and you must be born again. Nicodemus, I know you don't fully understand, but God wants your whole heart. If you're in church today and you don't fully understand, but you feel what Nicodemus felt, God wants something more from me. This message is for you. Bow your heads and close your eyes. Now, Holy Spirit, I'm asking you to do what only you can do. Why don't you open your hands before the Lord? Nobody's looking around. Just open your hands and ask God, is it me? Are you speaking to me? Are you tapping me on the shoulder? God, are you calling me to more like you called Nicodemus to more? It's going to cost me everything today, so I'm willing to give you everything. I give you my whole life. Come on, pray that inside of your own self. I give you my whole life. I give you all of my past, my sins, my problems, my hang-ups, my mess-ups, my habits. I give you my future. I give you, I, I give you my dreams, my hopes, what I think is going to happen. I give you where I'm currently at. God, I just relinquish control. Come on. Somebody needs to surrender today. I give you everything. I give you everything. I give you everything. I don't understand it, Pastor. You don't have to to obey. So God, I feel you're calling me. and My answer is yes. I don't fully understand. I don't really understand all that you're calling me to do. But my answer is yes before you ask. I'm following you into this great adventure. I'm following you into the great unknown. I'm following you in this step in our family. Come on. If, you, if you're in that area and you need that, I'm, just tell God I'm following you today. God, lead me. Keep leading me where I'm supposed to be. I'll leave comfort for calling. And if God's speaking to your heart, I'm going to ask you to say yes to be born again. That you need a new life. You need a new identity. We got everything you need. So I give you all of me for all of you.
In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody shout amen. Amen. Do you receive the word of the Lord, everybody? Do you receive it over your life? Thank you for joining us today. And a special thanks to those of you who give generously to this ministry. You know, it's because of you that we're able not only to bring this message to you, but we're able to offer hope and life to the San Antonio Hill Country and beyond. So if you'd like to give today, you can visit cityhillstx.com right now. And if this message blessed you, why don't you click subscribe or share this message with your friends uh, on your socials. I pray it's a blessing to others in your world. Thanks again for listening today. God bless you.